Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Believe in Everything Auburn is brought to you by Bet Online. Basketball is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, even golf. So head to betonline.ag to join and receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. You just have to use our promo code BELIEVE, that is B-L-E-A-V, to receive those rewards. BetOnline, where the game starts. War Eagle, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Believe in Everything Auburn. I am Taylor Davis, joined by the man, the myth, the legend, Jason Campbell, here to talk everything Auburn. And happy Thanksgiving week, everybody. It is holiday season officially. I know a lot of people have been putting up their Christmas trees like right after Halloween. Everybody jumped on it. But <laughs> Thanksgiving first, and uh, we certainly are thankful for all of our listeners, thankful to still be involved in a program and a university as special as Auburn. So hope everyone has some fun Thanksgiving plans this week, get to spend some time with family. And we will, of course, talk about the important things like food toward the end of the episode. But before that, we get to talk about another Auburn win, the final home game of the season. And the Tigers sent the seniors off in the best way possible with a big win in front of an excited Jordan Hare crowd that TD was a part of. And I loved every bit of it. Um, and along with Thanksgiving week, people, we all know what it is. It is Iron Bowl week. And while this season has not been Heck, I would say it hasn't been what either of these two teams have expected, Auburn or Alabama. This game is always for all the marbles. You know, it may not have SEC or national championship implications this year, but it means a lot to all of these people, especially given the narrative of this season. So we are going to dive in. We've, we're excited that everyone has joined us. And uh, Jay and I actually got to connect, which doesn't get to happen very often, but we got to see each other down in Auburn on Saturday. And uh, man, there's just nothing like it. I mean, we're biased as heck, don't get me wrong, but I go to stadiums every week, Jay, and I go to these game environments and this team, man, is, is not a team on the cusp of a title. And yet the environment and the energy around campus and in the stadium, like I, I would put it up against any in the country. And I'm, I'm see, I think that we're justified in that. Yeah. Hello world. This is your boy, J cam one and only smooth C one seven. I always got to say that. I always got to say that. Yeah. I, know. Know, I just, just got to say it. It just you know, it makes me feel relevant. I in love it. Such a young generation. <laughs> um, Yes, the Iron Bowl is always a pivotal week. Like I said, let's talk about last week. Uh, yeah. The atmosphere, again, and, you know, school was out for Thanksgiving. Yeah. And there are still a lot of students that showed up. Um, a lot more people showed up than we anticipated because of it being uh, a holiday coming up. Right. So, you know, I just feel like people are reliving the glory days ever since Carnell got the uh, interim coaching job. Um I just think people have forgotten about all the struggle and frustration that we was going through this last season. And now they're at a point where like, Hey, you know, man, he's brought so much energy. He's taken us back to what it used to feel like when Auburn was like doing great things and excited about football and yeah. showing up on Saturday where guys were playing for each other and energetic. And I think, you know, it's making this season finish the finish in a, in a really good fashion. Um, I like what Derek Hall said yesterday. He said, look, win or lose, uh, you know, we win, we go to a bowl game. He said, if we don't, we gave Auburn everything we got. We play with, yeah. we finished with a lot of heart. And I would say ever since the second half of the Mississippi state game, they really have changed the narrative of this, uh, of this season. And this helps recruiting. And it helps yeah. the mojo going into the off season. We've had more recruits on campus the last two weeks than the last two years. 
Wow. You know, all at one time. And we've had more guys interested and want to come to Auburn now. And yeah. so all the naysayers that was bashing Auburn about, you know, Harson for the first half of the season, talking about how they're doing them a disservice. I I think now they, they should understand, like, we was a at a disservice. A lot was missing. A lot was missing. We see that now. <laughs> right. Exactly. And, and now people get to see that. So yeah. and understand, like, okay, maybe they know what Auburn football looks like. And what better way to know it than someone that actually played there and been on the staff and and gets it. So all those people that were saying that, now you can leave us alone because <laughs> we know what it takes to be Auburn football and what yeah. we were getting was not Auburn football. Totally agree. I, I think, yeah, I mean, the proof is in the pudding in that one. It really felt like it, it was almost a new season. You know, it kind of felt like, a chapter was closed and a new one started, even though there were only four games left in season. And obviously we were on a losing streak and uh, turmoil and yada, yada, that move and beyond that move, which I, I think a lot of people were ready for the result of that move. And you and I have talked about this in the past couple of weeks, Cadillac taking the interim spot was without question the best thing the university could have done for that situation. I firmly believe, and look, Zach is fantastic and Ike Hilliard and all the guys that are on staff, like they all would have done a great job. Don't get me wrong, but Cadillac's a legend. Even like, you know, basic level Auburn fans know who Carnell Williams is, you know? And so it goes beyond just a former player assuming an interim role. That happens a lot of time. This is a legend assuming an interim role and reigniting the passion that generations before and even basic level fans can relate to. And we had lost that. There was nothing you know, that was captivating people. That's a, that's a good word. Nothing was captivating people about Auburn football from the recruiting trail to the performance on the field, to the brand and the culture, nothing about it was captivating. Harson wasn't captivating. I'm sorry. And I think you got the polar opposite in a guy like Cadillac who just exudes passion, you know, like you right. can't, he can't hide it if he tries, you know, and it was exactly what this this program needed at that given moment. And that's the result that you've seen in the past few weeks, you know, from packing Jordan hair to the fire that the guys are playing with on the field. That's a result of it. And I think it's a great example that coaches don't have to be so hard, you know, like so many of these guys want to put this front on and be robotic and not show emotion. Sometimes, man, you, you need to set the standard. They say that all the time, right? And sometimes standard includes emotion and includes passion and excitement. If you aren't seeing that in your head coach, and I'm not saying they have to do it to the media, but like in the locker room, on the practice field, if you never see that the guy leading you into battle is loving what he's doing, if you don't see that from him, why would you have it yourself? Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, players take on the personality of their head coach. And this year showed just, that. Right. It showed it. And, yeah. you know, like, so, so people need to understand that our head coach is all about motivating mm -hmm. and galvanizing a group of young men to do something that they can, can't think they can do themselves. Yeah. So you have to make them start to believe in, in bigger goals and bigger opportunities. And that's what Carnell is doing. And yeah. he's also taken a lot of what we went through in 04 which brought a lot of unity and everything and instilling it into this team and making these guys realize relationships and understand about serving each other and being there for each other and understand like when you leave here, come back 15, 20 years from now, you should still be in contact with a lot of your guys because yeah. you was just that close. And mm -hmm. I think a lot of these guys come in it now individualized because they get so much hype in recruiting. Mm -hmm. And then once they get to these campuses, so guys are now part of NIL deals and they become trying to market themselves rather than trying to market themselves as a teammate right. and uh, and being a real teammate. And I think that's something he's been teaching them about holding accountability to one another. And that's how you win football games. And that's what happened this Saturday at halftime. He even said it. He did not say one word to the defense. He said Derrick Hall got up and was the one that started it 
and it was really? the one that was kind of got into the guys about being more physical. Derek Hall went in there and, and gave his talk to the wow. defense. Tank Bisbee stood up, gave his talk to the offense. And, you know, and that's, to me, that's where players take over your team. That yeah. reminded me of 04 when we was in Alabama. We was getting beat at halftime. And none of the coaches said anything to any of us at halftime. I know people oh, say, wow. oh, man, he's lying. No, it's true. The players took over. Mayo was one of the guys that okay. got up and kind of like said something. You know, he was one of our seniors. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, you know, basically the seniors got up and said something. Awesome. And we got ready to go to the second half, and we scored every time we touched the ball. And oh, defense they did what they did, and they got that lucky touchdown at the end, Alabama right. did. But it's when things like that happen is when you know, like, okay, these kids get it. They get it. They now start to understand. And I just feel like, you know, a lot of times who you hire has a huge effect on the noise that you get around your program. For sure. You know, let's just be honest. Like, how do we know if Harson was 100% bought in? But the fact is, like, this is the same players. And matter of fact, it's they less. Play. Cause we yeah. had some guys transfer. Mm -hmm. We haven't had one kid say he's want to transfer since Carnell's taken over. You know, I just think from a standpoint of the guys that's actually been playing. Yeah. Everyone's talking about the togetherness. Now, when you see some guys probably enter the portal, just because a lot of guys probably gonna enter the portal because one, I'm not gonna say a lot, few, because they feel like my opportunity somewhere else may be better. Sure. Just because. You know, maybe someone's in front of me and I like this guy's really good. I don't see myself overtaking it. So it's just different things. Well, and then whoever is hired to be the next head right. coach, they also will have their own philosophy, mm -hmm. their own scheme, their own system that they want to implement. And if you as a player look at that and go, okay, chances are I'm not going to be a front mm -hmm. runner in that specific system, then I'm going to depart. But you're, to right. your point, it's not because of, honestly, Cadillac has probably kept a lot of those guys in Auburn. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's kept a lot of them in Auburn. Uh, think about it, you know, there's guys that have hit the portal that might try to come back once the whole coaching that's thing true. is resolved. Yeah. And then that's going to be up to the coaching staff to make mm -hmm. that decision um, because they got to first hear their story, know why they went to the portal, what was going on. Because, you know, we've heard various stories where, you know, Coach Harson told them, well, if you're not going to redshirt, I either you transfer or you just leave, you know, like and the kid, like I'm barely playing. I don't want to waste a year. Yeah. You know? So what are those stories are true? Like, can you blame the kid then for trying right. to save a year of his eligibility? Right. You know, so it's just different things like that to come out and, and everything, but I'm not bashing hearts or anything. I'm just saying yeah. like, you know, yeah. High college kids thinking, how you got to have the right fit when it comes to your programs. You know, it doesn't mean he's a bad coach. It just go to show you that he wasn't the right fit. And all these people yeah. on the outside to try to make him be the fit for us when we knew it wasn't the right fit. You just got to count your losses and move on. Right. Right. I think that there's a difference in not even criticizing, but just evaluating the situation. There's a difference in talking about Brian Harson and Brian Harson at Auburn. That's what we're talking about. Anything negative evaluation or criticism, we're not talking, we're not attacking the man as a coach or a player or a dad or a whatever. I'm just talking about his fit at Auburn. And it wasn't there. You you can see that from start to finish. And I think when you see the the flip that Lack has been able to create, and believe me, you can watch the film, watching the first half, I was like, there are problems on this football team. Like there are on field issues, but it's because that was a year and a half in the making that we were not fixing those things. And we were not, you know, molding talent the way that it needed to be. And so lack comes in here. What's he going to freaking flip everything? No, but what he did flip immediately was the effort and the passion and the energy that they play with. And he also adjusted based on what talent we had, which was what infuriated everyone <laughs> was like, you have some of the most capable run threats in the nation. Why are you not utilizing them? Same thing with like, you know what Robbie is best at build around it. You need to mix up the defense. You have the personnel to do it. Call a more, you know, intricate defensive game. Like all of those things being built around the personnel and the talent of those personnel, that has been implemented by this staff. So those two things were basically flipped overnight. And so I just think given the situation, it was the best case scenario 
to have Lack assume this position. And the guys really, you know, did a great job on Saturday. Obviously, the second half lights out and whatever was said at halftime certainly helps because we did end up ultimately winning 41 to 17 over Western Kentucky. Now, um, obviously, the run game, like I said, was a huge component of that. We have now had, and again, there is a common denominator here, three consecutive games of 250 plus yards on the ground. That is the first time that we have had three consecutive such ground attacks and games since 2016. And that surprised me given all the, the running backs that have been here. And, right. you know, but I mean, it's no surprise when you've got lack as the head coach, he looks at those guys. It was so talked about that Jarquez and, and tank were, you know, Lack and Ronnie years later, you know, and so to give them their touches and to to work them in um, in such versatile ways. And I like how much they're rotating both of them. You know, a, a lot of time it's it's third and six and tanks on the sideline. But Jarquez has proven himself, man. I mean, he's they're both such capable backs. And I'm I'm glad to see, you know, the utilization of those guys, even against some struggles that the offensive line has had you know those rush lanes aren't necessarily there for them and so you got to create versatility for them and and I think that we've done that so Tank's been averaging 5.93 yards per carry in this three-game span Jarquez actually is averaging 7.47 yards per carry so he's actually ahead in that regard Tank had 110 yards and Jarquez had 109 they were like <laughs> neck and neck and which the is week awesome before they tied I think both exactly. had 121 who week before it's crazy and then obviously Robbie is is having to use his legs and he's very effective with it don't get me wrong but my guy, the passing game, he just is still struggling. He completed eight of 19 passes in this one. He has exactly a 50% completion percentage this season, six passing touchdowns to seven interceptions. So that will be the task of the next head coaches to create a passing game because we are definitely one dimensional right now. But luckily that one dimension has been very effective in the last three games. And it's been very effective because our defense is holding people. Correct. You know, let's think about it. It was 24 to three at Mississippi state and they didn't give up any more points until overtime. So that allowed right. us an opportunity to come back and everything to win games. So when you're thinking about from that aspect, you know, it, it makes a lot of sense, but uh, overall, I feel like tank and Jacquez are both equal running backs. Yep. Uh, you know, both of them bring something different to the table, but at the end of the day, they're still equal because they have the same effect on the ball game. Mm -hmm. um, and it takes a lot of hits off of one guy. You know, you're able to punish the defense and wear the defense down because you got a guy that comes off the sideline, and he's fresh, and then he comes in and he's running, he's pounding, and this guy is just like, after a while, you just get wore down. And that's yeah. when you get the the break, the big break runs. Like Tank had the 35-yarder. Uh -huh. Jacquez, I believe, had it with a 40-yarder or something like that on his touchdown run. So, you know, the defense of Western Kentucky just got worn down because they're so used to their offense scoring 37 points a game that they're looking up and they're like, man, it's 17-17, and they still running the ball. Yeah. And they just got that's tired. True. So that's the thing about it. And when you think about with Lack and Coach Wilfriend and, and those guys, when they when they look at their team and they say, hey, we're going to stick to what we can do best from here on out. Yeah. And they feel like, hey, our offensive line do a better job run blocking than we do pass blocking. Now I will say they've gotten a lot better pass blocking over the last couple of weeks. We mm -hmm. just missed throws or we dropped throws. And, yeah. uh, but in this game coming up, oh, we yeah. have got to be able to hit some throws in the passing game because you got to stay on the field. Bryce Young is a different quarterback and yeah. Sometimes your best defense is offense, and yeah. we, we've got to do a good job of running the ball, but also hitting the easy things. Don't make the simple hard, and that's the things we do. We miss easy throws or we drop easy throws. Yeah, this is a game we got to have it to stay on the field. And for the passing game goes, like I said, there's going to be a lot of work in the all season. Right. Robbie is a tremendous athlete. We give him credit for that, but in order to be a dynamic quarterback. And you have to improve. Just look at Jalen Hurts. He improved yeah. as he got older and older. And now he's improving in the NFL. So, you know, he has to understand that he has to admit that, though, that I got to yeah. get that. That's some of the problem. A lot of these kids have to defend themselves so much 
And to the point they don't allow themselves to be coached up, to be able to change, to be the person they want to be. So yeah. hopefully he understands that and then and, and it's off season. But there will be competition. There'll be competition in a lot of positions this off season. Yeah. Which, uh, make better for a better football team because competition makes everyone work hard. Right. Yeah. And I mean, the receivers are going to need the offseason, too. You know, I think we went into this season realistic about the fact that we didn't really know who that like emerging constant, that security blanket. And you got to have one. You know, it was Seth for Bo. And you think about Sammy Coates and those guys that you just you knew if they were back there, there was a chance that they were going to make something happen. Right. And we didn't feel like there necessarily had been that guy heading into season. And at this point now in the final week of regular season, I still don't really think we know, you know, and do you, we always talk about this, right? But football is a game that is all connected. So are the receivers struggling because they're not being targeted much and the quarterback is struggling to complete throws or be act? Yes. Is that happening because the quarterbacks haven't had much time because the offensive line has struggled? Yes. Is that happening because that, you know, like you can pinpoint all of these reasons why, but I think when you isolate position, groups the receivers definitely could use an offseason to improve I think in terms of you know routes and you know evolution of skill and footwork and even blocking downfield and things like that contested catches like that all needs to be improved upon I I think Camden uh, that's going to be my guy that's my pick (laughs) and I I hope he sticks around you know I think that um that he's a young talent and given a lot of change and uncertainty at both the head coach and quarterback situation, could he be, you know, a guy who the portal seems compelling possibly, but I think that he has the makings of a really effective receiver. Javarius had a big drop this week. I actually, you know, he was definitely in a good situation. It likely would have been for six, the ball was underthrown. I mean, he completely was not no longer in stride, kind of had to back up and then he dropped it, but it was a bad ball. Do you catch it? Yes. It it hit you in the hands. There is no question on that, but those, those nuances, the chemistry, just not being there in the pass attack, you, you need it in the off season. And you know, a lot of people say, if you've got multiple quarterbacks, you don't have a quarterback and this off season, I mean, I I don't disagree with giving all four of those guys the opportunity to show their stuff, but it did linger a long time. Harson was, you know, working Finley, working Calzada, holding Gariner is the best arm I've ever coached. Robbie can, you know, is a freak athlete. And is that going to hinder your young receiving core that needs to be developing chemistry potentially? So another off season with a little more stability, I think helps in both of those position groups, but for this week, you're right, Jay. I mean, we're going to have to, I think we, we can run the ball. Their defensive front is, is definitely effective. I think ours has, has stepped up as well, but um, I, I think you, they will key in on the backs. No question. They will have a plan to shut down the run and, and force it. I think it's a game for the tight ends to really make something happen. And for those receivers that, feel like they could be the guy, this is the week to be the guy. Well, this is when you become a legend. Yeah. Uh, you know, in the Iron Bowl and, and big-time games. Uh, you know, a lot of people going to be watching this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it usually have bigger implications than it does this year. But at the same time, with all the noise going on around Auburn, people going to be tuned in because they want to know, like, all right, and, yeah, so there's you no know? guarantee that Saban comes back, right? So, you got to think about it. Bryce more than likely gone. Yep. Uh, Will Anderson more than likely gone. And Nick Saban, I don't know how he feels about this whole new age football uh, where you got to care about so much off the field stuff as far as marketing and NILs and different things. I don't know how much he wants to deal with that. And if he see himself potentially having to rebuild, then I think he may step away. But if he see himself saying, I got a top recruiting class, I got another top quarterback coming in here. I'm going to give it one more shot for two, three years, and maybe I can win another championship. Then mm-hmm. he may come back. But there's a lot of speculations in different ways that, you know, he may not. So we'll just see how that transpires. But, you know, the SEC, I'm pretty sure the coaches in the SEC are watching very closely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because he's been their Achilles heel throughout the years. But, yeah. you know, he's a legend. He's a he legend. Is. And, you know, I don't like Alabama, but I respect yeah. Coach Saban. 
You have to. If you're you a know, fan of the game, them. like it's right. it's a dynasty. You know that. It's hard to win in football. And yeah. the way he's won throughout all these years, uh consistently, yeah. you know, has a lot to say about his toughness and how he gets the toughness out of his guys. Mm-hmm. And you know, and that's it. The recruiting matched oh, with the man. development, but it's not right. just that. I mean, we have seen through Texas A&M, yeah. top recruiting classes are not the be all end all. It's oh, what you do when you get that raw talent in your facilities, on your field. How do you prepare them for the heights of college ball? No one does it better than Saban. Yeah, exactly. You got to develop kids. You know, you can go out there and sit in someone's couch all day and say, hey, you know, we got this for yeah. you and and everything. But what do you do when you get there? Have you mm-hmm. told this kid he's going to have to compete when he get there? Or you guaranteed him a spot because mm-hmm. if you guaranteed him a spot that you've already messed up. Like you need to tell these kids the truth. Like, no, there's someone you're going to compete with. Like and the other aspect of it is you got to get the best out of your players when you had an opportunity. And like I said, Jimbo has had the what best recruiting class and all these guys entering the transfer portal left and right. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's just, it's just different things like that. And like I said, if I'm Jimbo, I see that my offensive play calling has kind of took a back standard to the new age. I'm going to go hire me the best offensive coordinator I can find. And I'm going to be a CEO. Mm-hmm. You know, like and, and everything. So I'm gonna get the talent. I'm gonna let him, hey, you develop these guys and call these plays and stuff. That's what I think is gonna happen with Auburn. Um mm-hmm. when it comes to the whole head coaching thing, you know, uh everyone asking me, man, you think Carnell's got a shot? My thing is with it, I think had Carnell this happened earlier in the year, mm-hmm. I think a lot of decisions was kind of already pre-made. Yeah, um, that's so true. And everything. And I think they didn't really know what to expect when they named Carnell the interim coach, they mm-hmm. were just hoping that, you know, he could ride the sled until they got to where they wanted to get to. Right. And he's kind of done help these guys regalvanize and, yeah. and galvanize the fan base and everyone. And, and now everyone's like, you know, all in and, and ready to go. So my whole thing is whatever happens, I hope that he's here at Auburn and I yeah. hope that he gets a bigger role I hope he get you know an increase in salary. I hope he gets an opportunity to to when those kids walk through the door, they have instant respect because of what he's done these last four weeks, yeah. uh, and everything. And you know, kudos to all the coaches that's been involved. Right. You know, but but his name was the head coach name that was given to. And if anything mm-hmm. would have faltered, who's the person they look at? The head right. coach. So you know what he has done has been exceptional. Mm-hmm. So let's just say for example what we've heard on Twitter and. If Kiffin got the job, mm-hmm. yeah, there'll probably be quarterbacks hitting the portal to come here, receivers hitting the portal yeah. to come here yeah. because of what he's they an he offensive does. Dude. He's an offensive dude. So yeah. I think Auburn will go offensively. Um, you know, if Hugh Freeze was the uh, same thing, um, yeah. you know, there's most of the guys out here that they've been going after have been all offensive guys. And it's for a reason. We've sputtered offensively over the last five, totally. seven years. Um, defensively, we've been very good most of the time, but mm-hmm. you know, we'll see what happens with this whole coaching thing. But yeah, I just hope they don't do anything until after the Iron Bowl because we owe the respect to the I players know. and the coaches to be Agreed. total focus and to go out there and lay it on the line. Yeah, and th- I mean, Cadillac does not deserve for anything right. to be taken away from him this week. I, I just think that would be really. Wrong. And of course, we're alluding to the stuff that broke on Twitter last night. We're going to get into that in a minute. But I totally agree with you about the coaches really take. I think Jeff Schmetting has done a great job. Mm -hmm. He was, you know, kept on staff, even though he was technically one of Harson's guys. And he has called the defense and he's called better in the last three weeks than he did all season. And these guys have really stepped up and they did versus Western Kentucky. Like you mentioned, it's an air raid offense. And Austin Reed is really a a quality quarterback. I thought he was pretty impressive, Mm -hmm. but they limited him to just 28 completions on 55 attempts. And that's an offense that, you know, their bread and butter is through the air. So they shut that down and and the secondary was flying around like they have been in the past couple of weeks. And, and I was just really impressed with, you know, both their execution, but also what Jeff Schmetting has done in the past couple of weeks with this opportunity. But I think whoever steps in surely knows that the worst thing you could do when you first come to Auburn is not retain (laughs) Carnell Williams. I mean, as if he wasn't already such a staple of this program, he has solidified himself. You don't go from 
now being in the talks for, you know, the next head coach because of everything that you've done with this and, and the, the, I don't want to say pomp and circumstance, that sounds bad, but like the, the, the imagery that he has created around Auburn again, these past few weeks of, of passion and excitement and all of that, you come into a place that you need to, you know, capture the support of, and you don't keep a guy like that. You have a fan base that now hates you. So I that's don't what happened with T. Will. Harson came now in and got rid of T. Will. And now that, well, and we saw how that went down. So anyway, <laughs> I don't think there's a chance in Hades that Lack <laughs> is not on staff, but I agree with you. I, I hope it's in an increased capacity, an expanded role, a higher title and pay um, because my goodness, does he deserve it? Okay. Before we get into the Iron Bowl, let's go ahead and talk about it since we both alluded to it. So last night, Twitter was being Twitter because <laughs> this is what happens in this day and age. But a report came out from, I guess, a reporter in Starkville who is a verified Twitter account. And so it definitely will catch, you know, wind pretty easily and then got published by other accounts. So it definitely had some legs saying that Kiffin was to step down on Friday. And obviously the Egg Bowl is, is on Thanksgiving. So that Kiffin was going to step down on Friday as Ole Miss's head coach and head to Auburn to assume the head coach role for the Tigers. Of course, it, it goes everywhere and everyone thinks like, oh, okay, I guess that's happening. Um, but then Lane got a hold of it and retweeted it saying, this is news to me, like nice sources or whatever, basically dispelling it. And then kind of went on a Twitter rampage. There were some memes involved about the guy's career. There was another fake report about the guy's career. I mean, Lane didn't hold back, which is typical for him. Don't get me wrong. But then I went back and really read the report and it was kind of confusing in and of itself. So I was kind of confused how it got legs anyway, because he basically said, Lane is stepping down, taking the role. He dropped down a couple lines and said, Auburn has not officially offered the job to anybody. Dropped down a couple lines and said, Lane to Auburn is happening. Story coming soon. Well, back it up because you just said Auburn has not offered it. So how the frick is the man leaving Oxford and headed to Auburn? None of it made sense. I'm still kind of confused on the report. Do I think that he's the front runner? And do I think that this thing is close to happening? Yeah, probably. But if it hasn't officially been offered, how are you saying the man is stepping down on Friday? And you're going to have the nerve to release something like that that does include speculation, which is like journalism 101 that you never do. The week of their biggest games, the Egg Bowl and the Iron Bowl, like you are now overshadowing something that means a heck of a lot to a lot of people, including Lane Kiffin. So I was baffled by it. Well, welcome to the last week of the college football season. <laughs> because Just the beginning. there are about to be a lot of job openings. That's true. Um, there will be a lot of moving parts and, and, and everything. And even after that, Lane came back and tweeted the Egg Bowl. Oh, yeah, like he, he was a, reading. Yeah, like he was reading the Egg Bowl. Like, so I'm just like, this thing kind of happens in two ways. Okay. One, if you're so focused on the Egg Bowl and you got a game on Thursday, which is a short week, and you know how big this game is, why right. are you so intrigued with what's going on in Twitter? Twitter. Okay, that's a good call. Yeah, so, Especially when you're coming off getting your tail right, especially when you're counting your tail, right. So you may not want to be on Twitter because you don't want to know what's being said and you should be so focused on getting your team prepared and ready to play that you're not even on Twitter this week. Hmm. Okay. So the fact that you're on Twitter and you're going back and forth with a writer yeah, kind of lets me know like, hmm. Where's your focus? All right. Where's your focus? And is the smoke, is there a fire there? They're typically. You know, next thing is the emojis. Yeah, the what emo- the heck did that mean? <laughs> the emojis kind of were in-betweeners, if you know what I mean. It wasn't like I'm not, and it wasn't like I'm staying because he hasn't said anything about staying yet. So what it tells right. me is he's keeping all his allegiance open, mm-hmm. and he's not letting anyone know anything one way or another. 
which is fine because he shouldn't because he he's coaching he's right now season. and yeah. he's trying to get his guys ready to play in the biggest game in Mississippi, which right. is the Egg Bowl. So he wanted to make sure his guys are focused because any little thing that he says is going to go public and mm-hmm. it's going to mm-hmm. distract. It's going to distract it everything. And the game is at home. It's that old Miss. So right. you already know it's going to be a bunch of people there. Mm-hmm. And as soon as that game is over with, you already know where all the questions are going to be about. So they have been this week. Yeah, right. It's already been, it's been going on for the last couple of weeks. Ever mm-hmm. since Harsons was fired, it started. Yeah. You know, even it started even the week we played Mississippi State. So there's a lot of things to say here, though, Taylor. I will say this last year, rewind your mind for one whole year. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> one whole year. That's hard, but I'll do Everyone it. Everyone was saying Lincoln Riley to LSU. No one saw Lincoln Riley to USC. USC, right. No one saw Brian Kelly to LSU. LSU, that's true. So the noise can circulate. Sometimes things can be a smoke screen. Okay. It's for something else to come right behind it. So we don't know okay until, until the... I's and T's are dotted and so someone's true. name is on the, the the signed paper and the dotted line. I don't believe anything I hear. Yeah. Like, or there's some smoke to it, maybe, or there's some narrative to it. Yeah, I can kind of read between the lines and I kind of look at how things were flowing last night at the end when they said Auburn hasn't offered anything yet. Yeah. Uh, Why would you have to put that in there? Yeah. And why would you make the statement that you made if an offer hasn't been made yet? Right. So that made zero sense. And you know, it's the week of the robbery games all across the nation. So what was the, the method of the madness? Yeah. Was it to did these two collab on, to, on this together to put a little something out there and I'll respond. You put it out there. I'll respond this way just to see how, the feed, see how people kind of right. gauge things. You know how sometimes before people make decisions, they put things out there to see how to get the, feel the, the temperature. Yeah. yeah, just to get the temperature. Yeah. You know, you just never know. You know, it's just so much that goes on. Especially with Lane. Lane can be messy, you know? Like, I wouldn't put it past <laughs> him. You know what I mean? But right. there are also reasons that he would go to the lengths to quiet that this Mm -hmm. week that don't necessarily mean it's not true like along with you don't want the distraction you know for your players and for all of these people during rivalry week um there's also the element of if that is the case you want a proper announcement. You want to be able to release it through the university, through your agency. Like there, there's a method to announcements like that. You you try so hard to protect those things so that they don't get out on these, you know, message boards and Twitter accounts and things like that. That's not how you want it released. So I do think he would go to the length to like shut it down publicly just to preserve that. I don't, He didn't take the opportunity to say, John, that's absolutely not true. I am in Oxford for the long haul, whatever. He said, this is news to me. And there is wiggle room within a statement like that. Well, yeah, that's just like when you're dating a girl and she say, are we a, are we a couple? Are we, are we, are we dating exclusively? Are we like, and what do you say, Jay? And other people like, you know, mind of a man. What was the answer? My my experience is. If I don't say we're exclusive, <laughs> then, then, then I'm still, say, yeah, that's yeah, I'm still yeah, yeah, I'm still, I'm still in the slow lane. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I haven't made a decision yet. You know, I'm still, I'm still feeling the temperature of this exactly. thing right now. Exactly. So, I'm not saying no, but I'm not saying yes. Yeah, exactly. You so know? my whole thing is, and also the guy that said it, first name was John. Yeah. Uh, is from Starkville. You know, he's in Starkville. Now that's so, could he put something out there to be a distraction to knock sure, off yeah. old Miss and, you know, so that Mississippi State can slide up there and boom, get out of victory. So, right. you know, is that just something that the cause of distraction, you yeah, know, so there's true. all different kind of things, but we said it last week that this was going to be the week of number one drama. This yeah. is the soap opera of football. It's the same in the NFL when it gets to week 17, it's the same in college with the last week before the SEC championships or all the other Big Ten championships, yeah. everything is this week. So, with that being said, the team we're playing this week, yeah, we have to pay close attention because they're going to play extremely hard because some wild things happened last week. 
Utah almost knocked off Oregon. Um, Baylor almost beat TCU. Yes. Maryland almost beat Michigan. No, Maryland almost beat Ohio State. Who almost beat Michigan? Illinois. Illinois almost beat Michigan. Literally all of these almost. (laughs) So if all those games would have ended up in an AL, here comes the noise again from all the Bama fans about. I can't. You know, we deserve to be in the playoffs. We lost to the a top team in their hostile environment by last second plays. So Notre Dame plays USC this week. Mm-hmm. Notre Dame's hot lately. Notre Dame is hot lately. They have They're hot. figured it out. Yeah, I'm glad. Five, I like Marcus. Yeah. yeah, they won five straight. Mm-hmm. And they're reeling in the right direction. So okay. that that could happen. Um, so Tennessee's out, unfortunately. Tennessee's out. Uh, prayers for Hendon Hooker, man. That broke my yeah, heart. Yeah, that was sad. I hate seeing that guys it's tear sad. the ACL, especially on a on an option play. And you know, like, you know, they said during the broadcast that seventy percent of ACL or knee injuries, he didn't specifically say ACL, are non-contact. Yeah, yeah. It's just that turf getting the cleats and you pull the wrong way. It happens so often. But yeah. man, for a guy like that who has done so much for this program, honestly, it kind of reminds me of their baseball team last year. Like number mm-hmm. one majority of the season had the best chance that that was going to be the year, right. and they yep. crumbled down the end. Yeah, and that's the sad thing about it is, because this what November and mm-hmm. he had torn ACL, you missed the you missed the combine, you missed Senior Bowl, you know, and uh, oh, now you gotta now you gotta convince the team on draft day to take you, even though you may not even be ready to play right next year, you know. Uh, so it basically be a red shirt year for you, mm-hmm. your first year. So rehab, but now the South Carolina Clemson game becomes a little more interesting because South Carolina just knocked off Tennessee. If they continue on momentum, if anyone thinks that Clemson could potentially have a shot to get in the top four, if they are a one loss ACC champion, you know, this South Carolina game could actually be more impactful than we thought a couple weeks ago. Well, South Carolina can beat Clemson. Where's the game at? Mm, I think Clemson. If the game's in Clemson, I get Clemson a short edge. But if that game's in South Carolina, Williams Bryce fa- tough. Yeah, it's a tough place to play, especially at nighttime. Yeah. And that game could really, you know, be a game to watch this weekend. Ohio State and Michigan. Ooh. You know, who wins that game? And if you lose, if you lose by more than three or seven, you're probably out of the playoffs. So Yeah. Uh, it's a lot of games. You know, Auburn wins it. win the bowl game. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, this one, as if there isn't always a lot riding on the Iron Bowl, given uh-huh. the, the story of season and the potential to end it in such unexpected fashion and to end up, you know, with the sixth win to uh, to qualify for a bowl game would mean a heck of a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Is it going to be challenging? Absolutely. And it's in Tuscaloosa. If this thing was in Jordan hair, you feel a little bit different about it because home advantage for Auburn is a very real thing. Um, but it is in Tuscaloosa. And obviously, you know, I do think that Auburn is playing a much better, complete, complementary brand of football on both sides. And I think a lot of, you know, kinks have been worked out in, you know, game planning and scheme and halftime adjustments and all of that, which you certainly need. Do I think that Alabama is the more well-oiled machine at this point? Yes. And I credit Bryce Young and Will Anderson and some of their offensive linemen that I swear have been there for 75 years. Like they have (laughs) the pieces, you know what I mean? And if they are able to control our ground game, this thing is definitely leaning in their direction. But the thing about the Iron Bowl that we say every year is you pretty much throw everything you know out the window because somehow crazy things are capable of happening. And I think in a year that has included a lot of pain and struggle for Auburn, and now we're kind of like riding this high that has nothing to do with performance. Like it's mm-hmm. it's really just like a pure joy because of loving the game and loving Auburn. That's what we're all riding right now. I think that something crazy could happen. And obviously we hope that it does. And 
Alabama's disappointed. Like if they're not in playoff talks, if they're not headed to Atlanta next week for an SEC title, they're pissed. Like their stadium wasn't even sort of full last week and they're still a top 10 team in the nation. So this one can absolutely go either way, even though you certainly know that Alabama has the bells and whistles to do it. But the last time I did some research, the last time that an unranked Auburn team went into Tuscaloosa and beat a top 10 Alabama team was 2002. And who better to ask than the quarterback from that game? I even looked up your stats, Jay. You threw for 169 yards and two touchdowns. Now, Cadillac was also on that team, but unfortunately did not play that game. He was out with a leg injury. I believe Ronnie was out as well. So y'all went to your third or fourth string running back and you pulled some magic out. So you had me go back in time a year. I'm going to have you go back a decade, (laughs) two, I'm sorry, Jake, two decades. Ah, And uh, think back to that day. I mean, going into it, did y'all feel like you it was within reach or were y'all like, damn, we are depleted and they're a top 10 team? Oh, no, we definitely uh, feel like we could win that game. That's why I tell people in 2002, we lost to the USC right. out in the California. We dropped a touchdown pass to win the game. Mm-hmm. And then we lose to Florida in Gainesville on a five-yard field goal to win the game before it had to go to overtime. <sighs> and then we lost to Georgia on fourth and fifteen our defensive bat falls down. They catch the ball in the back of the end zone, Michael yeah. Johnson. And that was the three games that we lost like that time at that year. Wow. So we was actually going, and we had lost another one, I think, but, but going into the, the iron bowl, we were seven and four mm-hmm. and we had a bunch of seniors that we really was close with and guys wanted, and everyone was doubting us. Cause they said, Oh, Ronnie and Carnell is, you know, is out and everything. Yeah. And, you know, how they're going to run the football and and different things like that. And me and the receiver was just like, shoot, this is, this is an opportunity to do what we've been wanting to do is throw the yeah. ball. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, now we got we some to lose, you know? Right. Now we got some receivers. We can throw the ball. Like, we just, you know, we were just a run-heavy team. Yeah. But, uh, but again, you have to be efficient when you do. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, we went in with that mindset. Our defense played great. We jumped on them early. Uh, I remember running a... Uh, a play action pass. Where I put the ball behind my back and Anthony Mitch ran down the middle. It's Nuh-uh. like on the first drive of the game. Yeah. Anthony Mitch, I hit him on like a 40 some yard uh, pass. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So you had to go back and watch that. It was a reverse play action and I stuck the ball behind my back. And it's kind of like, I'm just sitting there looking at the defense and then watching Anthony <laughs> Mitch run. <laughs> so I love that. So I did that. I actually did like four or five times in my career. I did it in the NFL some too. Oh my gosh. But going into that game, all we heard was don't say anything in the papers. Mm-hmm. Let them do all the talking. Right. And all week, all we heard was how bad Alabama was going to beat us. They got the number one ranked defense or top 10 team. Auburn doesn't have a chance this week. And, you know, that's all we heard all week. And we couldn't wait to get to the football field. And it all started with our defense hitting them in the mouth. Yeah. yeah they hit them in the mouth. Offensively, we hit them in the mouth. Um, I had like two big runs in that game, one for like 30 some yards, another one for like 17 and 18. Wow. But little Trey Smith. Yep, that's what his name was. Little Trey Smith. <laughs> no one knew about, but we yeah. knew about Trey. Trey was really quick. He kind of reminded you of McCaffrey a little bit. Okay. Um, and everything. And and what we did was we didn't say anything. Trey came out there, he busted a run for like 60 some yards, uh, down the middle. And like I said, he ended up having a big game for us. And we ended up winning that game 17 to seven. And it was, uh, and we ended up after that, I think winning what five in a row, yeah. uh, iron bowl victory. So, you know, that was a game that these kids could, can go back and just take that mindset of saying, yeah. look, man, let every, all the talk and do all they want. Yeah. When that game comes on and it's those white lines and it's 11 on 11, nothing else matters. And yeah. it would be nothing best, best for Auburn to go in there win the Iron Bowl, Carnell Cadillac as a player coach go in there and beat Nick Saban, you know, in the Iron Bowl on the road. Like, it would be like, it would be like, it would make Auburn season. After all they went through and everything they've gone through, it would make their season. Oh, yeah. That win would be, man. I mean, you know how we don't like 
moral victories because we're typically talking about them in a loss. This one would be a win on the field, okay. but it would be a moral win because yeah. this team would have had to overcome so many hurdles. They have had to really dig deep to even continue this fight. And if they look, win or lose, I'm so freaking proud of, of what they've put on the field right. and, and what they've presented to the public because right. remember when in the off season, some stuff was happening about Harson, and it got really ugly with guys, you know, t talking publicly to outlets and, and on social media. And there was division and frustration that was being outed and, that didn't represent what this program has always stood for. And regardless if we win or lose this Iron Bowl, they have gotten back to what this program stands for with lack at the helm. And so if they're able to capitalize and close season with a win in Tuscaloosa, I mean, that's a storied season, oh, yeah. even it's though just, it's just six yeah. wins. Yeah, it's icing on a red velvet cake. You know, it's just, it's just <laughs> He's ready to get into the food conversation. <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> no, it would be yeah. incredible. It really the, would. Auburn defense, ever since Carnell has taken over, they're averaging only giving up 350 some yards a game. Okay. Before, maybe 330 some yards a game. Before under Harson, which Smedden is a Harson's guy. Right was giving up 550-some yards a game. Gracious. So that just goes to show you changing a mindset has so much to do yeah. in life, has so much to do in growing and, and aspects of what you want to achieve. And sometimes you just need a little bit of inspiration. Yeah. And I feel like change happened and it gave them a breath of fresh air. It was yeah. a new voice. And it felt like a new season to these kids. It did. And they're now playing inspired. So you get inspired players playing together. Anything is possible. Mm -hmm. And like you said, win or lose, they've already won now because of the mindset that they was able to change over these last four games. Right. And I really think they have a chance in this game. Uh, like I said, it's going to come down to us being efficient on offense, mm -hmm. but not giving up the big passing plays on defense. Yeah. But uh, like I said, it would just, uh, it, it would be something special and to it watch. Everybody's going to be tuned in because everyone wants to see, like, you know, how Carnell and the team, they want to, they want you want to continue to join the excitement. Yeah. You know, I mean, why wouldn't you? He, right. just, <laughs> so. he has, I guarantee he has brought in people that weren't Auburn fans before because he's mm -hmm. just so dang likable and he is, right. he is conveying what, coaching should be about on the college football level like that has been at the forefront for him and it's just he's done a really really fantastic job but you're absolutely right I mean I I think we're going to have to be efficient offensively and obviously the ground game is going to include that heck I'd let Damari Olsen go uh, I mean just mix it up have the ground game going have some you know obviously run situations for Robbie um, the Alabama defense ranks 14th nationally against the run they have only allowed two players to reach the 100 yard mark this season that was against Arkansas and against Ole Miss so definitely a, a stout defensive front but we like I said it, it hasn't always been because our offensive line is just wreaking havoc and creating this crazy rush lanes like our guys are just savvy and they've they've made something out of nothing yards after contact things like that they'll have to tap into that um, and then of course, you know, you gotta, you've got to make things harder for Bryce. I mean, I think one of Bryce's yeah. biggest strengths is the way he sees the game. He's very analytical out there and he sees things almost before they happen. It's, it's really impressive to watch. You can watch his physical abilities for sure, but if you watch the game and kind of how, how he sees things and then hear him speak about like his progressions and his reads and how he analyzes game, he's very intelligent in the way he sees football. Oh, yeah. And I, I think that you have to mix things up against a guy like that and make it a little more challenge. I mean, look, we saw what they did last year in overtime. That was Bryce making something out of nothing. His receivers helped him. Don't get me wrong, but this guy is instinctual and he's smart. And so you have to try and outsmart him, really. Um, and then Will Anderson, of course. He actually hasn't had the year that I think everybody anticipated he yeah, would coming off. A Heisman guy, but... Right. He should have been a Heisman guy last year. I will forever think that. But still, he's got eight sacks 
and 14 tackles for loss. And another guy who is incredibly instinctual, has a great understanding of the game, and will try and get to Robbie often. You know, that's probably going to be their large part of their game plan is, Anderson, you shut down the run attack of this kid. But a couple injury things to keep in mind. Our defensive front has some question marks. Jeffrey, I don't know how to say his name. Emba. Emba? Okay, (laughs) Jeffrey Emba. Marcus Harris and Marquise Burks are all considered day-to-day. So we are not sure where those three are going to be. And then for Alabama, their running back, Jameer Gibbs, he sat out last week versus Austin P. which obviously if you're going to rest, guys, that's a good one to do it in. But still, he sat out that when he has an ankle injury that he sustained the week before. We don't know if he's going to be able to go. And they surely have other effective backs, but this guy is kind of their all-purpose guy. He's actually a, a, a pass threat. They bring him out of the backfield a lot so if he's out that takes a weapon away from their offense so just a couple injuries to uh to keep in mind but this is definitely going to be one that Auburn Auburn has nothing to lose literally I mean you lay everything out for this one because you aren't expecting to play another game after this right I I mean I I think you hope to but as it stands right now and and that game is not a a chance at a playoff or something Alabama still has that possibility in the back of their small percentage yeah they yeah I think there might even be a subconscious limitation of theirs that they don't see all the all the benefit of this that Auburn does. And where that difference in mentality comes in is usually where magic happens on the field, especially in the Iron Bowl. Yeah, and plus, let's go back to Will Anderson. I, you know, when you're talked about as much as he was talked about coming into the season, teams are going to double-team him. Yeah. You know, they're going to send a guard and a tackle or a tackle and a running back or put an extra tight end over there to block him. So his sack total is not going to be what, you know, what everyone anticipates because yeah. he's such a dynamic player. So, you know, but I think coming into this game, though, you know, like the key is, like you say, Bryce Young kind of reminds me of, of Pat Mahomes when it comes to end-the-game mm-hmm. situations. Yeah. Like, in the end of the game, when he has the ball in his hands – it seems like he always going to get you into a position to either win the game with a field goal right or or pass it or he's right there. Yep. And if you think about the two games that they lost this year, Tennessee, he drove them down the field. First of all, they came all the way back after being behind for a lot. Mm-hmm. And they came all the way back. He drives them down the field in field goal range. If the guy makes the field goal, it's a different story. Yep. And then you go to the LSU game. You know, LSU game, you know, he overtime. had the pick when he tried to scramble, but he went into overtime and, you know, they didn't score to give a touchdown. So they ended up losing in overtime in a hostile environment. So the LSU team has been playing a lot better. So, right. you know, it's just things like that. He's always a difference maker. You take him off the field. Oh, you see a huge different Alabama team. For sure. Right? He made so much. You saw the Texas A&M game. He didn't yeah. play. Like yeah. an A&M team could have beat them. You know, and so you talk about like, you know, just the opportunity it is to go out there and play. Travaris Robinson is their secondary coach uh, who played with us on that 2002 Auburn team. Yep. And he was out there laying a lumber in that game. <laughs> so I say, well, you got so many, so many, you got targeted thrown out of the game yeah. so much now because <laughs> he was laying a lumber in that game. Oh, man. And we joke about it now. In fact, the Cardinal is actually playing uh coaching against him this week that's and cool those two, those two are friends as well it's gonna oh be so much gosh. noise talking in pregame of course and uh and everything so this adds a little bit of different respect on it because comes off season when these guys are playing golf you know you want to have a little <laughs> bit of a little bit of uh noise talking but you want to make sure you're on the right side of it so this game will be it just gave you a little bit more mojo to the juice of this game for all of us that know lack and no Travars Robinson so as if we needed any more juice to this one that's really cool I love that um well let me ask you the question that circulates of course because we love hypotheticals Obviously, it does seem as though Auburn is close to landing whoever they would like to name as their next head coach. The expectation is that you do it this week. Hmm. But if this team goes into Tuscaloosa and wins the Iron Bowl, does everything go out the window and you just make Cadillac head coach? Does it have that much of an impact? I wish I could say yes. 
but I'm just in that I don't know because to me, just based off history, when you hire a GM or an AD, there's usually coaches tied to the for AD sure. or that GM. For sure. And it just and all this speculation that we've been hearing for so long just makes me feel like the job has been offered. Even mm-hmm. though they say it hasn't been offered, it just makes me feel like it's been offered. Mm-hmm. And it's just a matter if this coach accepts it or that coach accepts it. Got it. And they can't accept it until their last game. Right. And so that's what makes it so intriguing because we don't know if it's really been offered because technically they can say verbally, but technically that person can't offer it or they can say someone hasn't offered because that coach is still coaching at another school or something. Mm-hmm. So nothing, that's why I say after the Iron Bowl, things will start to take shape. If Got there it. hasn't been an offer and say we win the Iron Bowl, I think you have to take a hard consideration and maybe sit down with uh, Carnell and, and, and see, you know, yeah. uh, and everything. But I will also have to think that they've been in some type of talks with Lack, I'm sure. you know, and uh, kind of keeping him informed of what's going on right. uh, at the same time. Uh, you know, he wouldn't tell us, I would hope but so. yeah, but I would think they would probably have had some communication with him. Yeah. The other aspect of it is whatever happens has to happen quickly. Yeah. Whether the Iron Bowl is Saturday. So you basically got three and a half weeks before signing day, which is December the 21st. Right. Oh, so if you're going to get in on some recruits and some guys in the transfer portal, you have go. to move swiftly. We can't go through a situation that they did when they went with Gus and then all of a sudden thought they had some other guys and it didn't pan out. Then all mm-hmm. of a sudden, you know, you're here scrambling and signing day is right here at the corner. Yeah, that was bad. Uh, you know, so that's that's the thing I think where it's at right now. I think had nothing been shaken earlier, like say Lat would have got this opportunity after the Penn State game. And right. we hadn't we hadn't had an AD, we haven't had anything offered to anybody yet, and we hit this like we're doing now, then I think it would have been a, a high percentage that he probably could have been seriously taken as a head coach in this right. position. Right. Um, it's just I just feel like right now I just think it's just so it's just too many reports to say that something hasn't been offered. I know, I know, and that's my thing. That's why I said whatever happens, I hope they make sure that he's here. He should be taken care of one hundred percent. Well, it is sure to be a good one. I can't believe the regular season is over after this week. I mean, I feel like this year in particular, it really flew by, but it is sure to be another exciting Saturday of college football. And obviously implications are plenty. And then we get into conference championships the next week. And then the final CFP playoff selection show will be on December 4th. So we are... Mm reaching all of it but before we get into all of that we get to enjoy thanksgiving on thursday and as our resident foodie of course i gotta ask jay your go-to must-have thanksgiving food and here's the thing i know you're about to list everything on your plate because i know you so well i want one thing jay your favorite food for thanksgiving Wow, one thing that's just like okay. Christmas when I can only pick one gift. Well, too bad. One. <laughs> yeah, she's gonna be a tough mother. <laughs> <laughs> Your kid's gonna be like, Life is about choices, on. Jason. Oh, one all right, thing. Fine. You can have two. Uh all right, I give you one thing and one dessert. Oh, good call. Good call. My number one thing is dressing. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yes, dressing. Okay. I only eat cranberry sauce two times a year. And that's Thanksgiving. And you put it on the dressing? Yeah, some people put it on the dressing. Some people put it on the side of the dressing. Yeah. But dressing. Uh, dessert? Dessert. Jeez, this what? why? Well, because life's tough, Jay. Oh, gosh. All right. Time is rolling. Time is money. Time is essence. Uh, <laughs> All the tough, hard-hitting questions I come to uh, you with on this show and so the food ones get you stuck. Yes, the food is a hard one. I'm just going to go with this one. Pecan pie. Because yeah, this time of the year, everyone up, gets man. pecans and everything. So give so me a good. hot pecan pie with some nice cool whip on top Ooh. of it or maybe a, a little blow of vanilla ice cream on the side mm. and, you know, just 
here we go. I'm down in two of them. Bang, bang. Heck yeah. Bang, bang. A little dressing, a little pecan pie. We love it. I say the same thing every year because it's how strongly I feel about it. My dad deep fries a turkey every year and there is nothing like it. I've never had better turkey in my life. Todd just dominates every year. And my mom makes a corn casserole and it is my favorite thing. And they are both so good. And we only get to have them on Thanksgiving and sometimes Christmas. So I just cherish those two things. You know what I mean? But I also cherish doing this podcast and I cherish our listeners and I cherish Auburn and all of those things. And so as Thanksgiving comes along, I want to encourage everyone to make sure that it's not just about the food and that everybody takes advantage of some time to reflect and be uh, really intentional about what you're thankful for and um, how blessed we all are, because we certainly are. So I hope everyone has a wonderful and happy Thanksgiving and then a fantastic Iron Bowl day. And then we will be back next week to break it all down. Right, Jay? Yeah, we'll be back next week to break it all down. And like I said, man, everybody take time before you eat to say what you're thankful for yep. and, you know, and to give grace yeah. uh, to one another, you know, and uh, be thankful to have each other in your lives. Like I said, I'm thankful for the podcast and everything that I have going. And yeah. I've developed a friendship with Taylor and Woo-hoo! everything. We have a hot podcast going. Yeah, man. We get more and more listeners. Um, yeah. Like I said, but overall you know like just just thankful for life yeah and uh you know and health uh and everything we went through something two years ago that's you know that's unimaginable so you know we just got to keep moving forward and everything and um so yes so very thankful for that thanks so much for listening everybody happy thanksgiving happy iron bowl we will talk next week war freaking eagle and my new thing i'm having thanksgiving turkey ribs see i told y'all he was gonna say more than one goodbye (laughs) see ya (laughs) thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube